Radio Solent. Now, we've been talking throughout the week about the importance of managing your mental health in the emergency services. Let's be honest, some of the most stressful jobs you can do. Dorset Ambulance Service, Southwestern, say they lost 13,000 duty days in the year 20 to 21 because of staff who were off work with mental health issues. South Central Ambulance Service, which covers Hampshire and the Isle of Wight, had 389 staff off work with mental health sickness during the same time. That's 12,000 lost duty days. Well, we know that South Central Ambulance Service has been under immense pressure this year. Last month it raised its alert level to extreme pressure due to hospital delays and the volume of calls being handled. Here's a look back at some of the news clips on South Central from the past year. A critical incident has been declared by South Central Ambulance in a stark warning about the pressure the NHS is under. The NHS Trust said the sheer volume of calls it's receiving is overwhelming and hospitals across the South say they're facing increased... We've had up to 25 ambulances waiting to offload a patient into an A&E department. Some ambulances have been there for up to seven hours waiting. South Central Ambulance Service, which serves Hampshire, says it's currently under immense pressure with demand on 999 and 111 services at levels normally seen during the busy New Year period. It says it's receiving almost 2,000 calls a day to 999 at a time it would normally see about 1,600. It's not a COVID-related incident we're seeing. What we're seeing now is an increase in the sort of work that we were seeing prior to COVID. So those patients with medical conditions and long-term conditions, people sadly being involved in traumatic incidents such as car accidents, plus a lot of people dialing our 111 service looking for help and advice. Joe Mildenhall is the Mental Health Project Lead at the College of Paramedics. More joining us now. Morning, Joe. Oh, good morning. Nice to talk to you. I mean, everyone will have heard the stories about how long ambulance uh, times are taking at the moment from when you call 999, in certain cases uh, anyway. What kind of pressures and problems are staff facing at the moment? Um, I think it's um, been covered in the the little snippet that you um, played just there. And I think we really have to consider the NHS as a whole. So the ambulance service provides sort of that interface between primary and secondary care. But obviously, as the speakers um, played just now, um, shared, also we provide emergency health care to those, say, with life-threatening conditions such as heart attacks and strokes. But the problems that the um, pressures that the ambulance service is facing at the moment is inextricably linked with the problems and pressures facing the wider NHS. Um, so uh, again, one one person just now raised about the pandemic and how the demands have actually become much more significant since the start of the pandemic, and they've just continued to grow and grow with other uh, medical problems rather than COVID. And also, as your listeners um, are probably well aware of, um, there's been the issues with offloading patients to hospitals, the long waits to to get patients from the ambulance into the A&E departments. So, you know, the pressures and problems have actually um, sort of become much more um, inherent at the moment. And that obviously puts pressure on the, the staff as well. It's very frustrating for people if it takes longer to get an ambulance, first and foremost. But when all of that is there, that makes it much harder for the people doing the job. I know a couple of people who work as paramedics or have done, and they're very proud of it, Joe. They, you know, they're, you know, the, the job that they do, and they put in more, probably definitely put in sort of more than you'd expect within the hours. Do you think there's a reluctance amongst ambulance staff to admit that they're not doing okay? Um, I, well, I think... Um Paramedics and ambulance staff are are deeply compassionate and caring people and they want to do the best for their patients. Um, 
so I mean if you take the ambulance service for example and you sort of traditionally go back in time sort of that culture was around um, sort of man up and get on with it and don't show your emotions um, it's that sort of stoical nature and I think that kind of reflected the society's um, culture at the time but sort of strands of this have been passed down and some of that still remains and some of that sort of um, those sort of unspoken rules are, are really helpful um, to govern the behaviours and emotions that you should or shouldn't show and it, it can be helpful to um, allow you to move from one instant to the next. So some of these rules around showing your emotions are, are really well suited to today's ambulance practice but actually on the other hand they can be really um, very much a barrier and it can make it really difficult to say that you're not okay. Mm. Um, and we've talked a lot of this week as well about in the emergency services as a, as a whole you are going to come across more traumatic situations than perhaps in a lot of lines of work I'm sure ambulance staff would uh, would agree with that. What training do you have to help people deal with mental health problems that may arise from that? I think that's a, a really good question, Pat, and it's an area that's really in progress at the moment. Um, so one area that's particularly being looked at is around education of staff and having that greater awareness. Um, so each ambulance service up and down the country is is, is different in the training that they provide. Um, but certainly at a national level, we at the college are sort of indirectly doing some work with HEE, the Health Education England, um, to provide uh, personal mental health training for newly qualified and newly recruited paramedics. Um, we've also just done a large piece of work, or my colleagues have, around student paramedics and getting mental health um, education into the um, sort of undergraduate curriculum. So as we move forward, the students, as they then qualify, will have that, that greater level of training. And we've been hearing about lots of non-traditional therapies on the show this week, like breath work and cold water yeah. immersion. Some people absolutely swear by them for a, a reset and a, and, a, and a way of managing anxiety and stress. Do you think there needs to be more investment in alternative therapies like this, Joe? Um, well, one of the things that we realised at the College of Paramedics, which is like the, the national body for um, paramedics, is that... Um, there's this really inherent need to address psychological well-being holistically um, and to, that, that then allows us to sort of meet a diversity of well-being needs um, because what we found was that there is um, quite a lot of support out there but it's based on a sort of one-to-one -one model with say a psychologist a counsellor or therapist and whilst that's really really important and vital we really do need that um, it doesn't suit everyone um, and some people find it really difficult to talk in that sort of one-to-one -one space and also paramedics are very practical people. So at the college, we designed um, sort of a wellness program that uses the outdoors um, to sort of provide that practical um, side as well as the therapeutic side at the same time. Joe, really interesting to hear about the work that you're doing. That's Joe Mildenhall, Mental Health Project Lead at the College of Paramedics. So on our week, looking at some of the pressures facing our emergency services at the moment. On BBC Radio Solent, 13 